Blog Talk Radio. Hello, hello, hello. Kellen Patterson of the O'Kellen clan, of the undefeated P4P clan. P4P Real Talk with Miss Muscle in the house, in your ear, in your earlobes, and all around your body. Because we're all around you. Our essence has consumed you. Yes, yes it has. Anyway, if you are a drug-free athlete and are looking for a vehicle to drive your goals like whatever I am. A truck through ice cream sprinkled with essence, whatever that might be. <laughs> of the second <laughs> Ledoodle. <laughs> Anyway, check us out at P4P Real Talk. No, 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 don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> P4PMuscle.com. And now let's chit chat <laughs> with the banter. Hello, Desiree. <laughs> yeah, because you might, you might be a little disappointed if you try to check us out at P4P Real Talk because you won't get anywhere. <laughs> unless, unless you're on Facebook, and then, yes, you will find us. You'll find many things. Many things. Oh, shoot. Shoot. But yes, I am fantastic. Um, recovering from our big weekend last weekend at uh, P4P Undefeated. So we will be discussing that more in depth on Thursday. So if you uh, if you haven't made plans to join us on Thursday and you're curious about the show, you definitely need to tune in on Thursday and we'll we'll oh, chat yeah. at you then. With all of the ins and outs and uh, the technical difficulties and the Desiree difficulties oh. and just everything, everything that happened. Uh, I felt so bad for you on that. It, it, yeah, yeah, you got run through the gambit, but you made it like a champ. So, hey, kudos to you. I made it. I made it. I made it. So, so just one question before we dive into our show, though. So, you're through P for P undefeated. Are there any shows left in the season that you're hitting? Because this is like what your seventh show, your eighth show this season so far. I feel like maybe even Me? ninth. How many shows has it been? Yeah, you. Oh my goodness, I'm on number eleven. Oh my gosh, number eleven. I've fallen so far behind. <laughs> number eleven. Yeah. So, is there going to be a twelve, thirteen, fourteen, or what? What's left for the last quarter of 2019? Well, the Midwest states for sure. Um, I should be more than dialed in for that one. Uh, I was going to do the uh, the mayhem, but I've been asked to help judge with that one. So I'll be taking a break this weekend. Okay, gotcha, gotcha, gotcha. So at least 12 shows this year. That's got to be yes. – we're going to have to look into that. That's got to be some kind of record. How, I feel like we had somebody on that did equal to that in a year or maybe a little no, bit less. No, but... done more. Uh, uh, Ed Castillo did 14 shows in one year. Oh, my goodness. Ed, I haven't talked to Ed in forever, but that is amazing. So 14 shows in one year. Goodness gracious. Yes. All right, all right. Well, now that we have uh, carried on and rattled on, I, I think we need to get on with our show. We have got that was our first-time guest. 
that was our chit chat with the banta. And now we're getting on yeah. with our first time guests. And actually, most of our guests are first time guests. Not all of them, but a good number of them. And uh, and this one, he was a little shy. He was a little shy at first, but then he got up the courage, and he's here tonight. So I want all of listener land to give a big real talk welcome to IPE Classic Physique Pro, Marcus Gates. Marcus, say hello to listener land and tell us a little bit about yourself. What's up? What's up? Um, so my name is Marcus Gates. I am a elementary PE teacher. Um, I also run a online personal training business called Thriving Lives Fitness. And I'm actually currently in prep for my second pro show up in Minneapolis, Minnesota, um, on November 2nd, looking to qualify for IPE Worlds two weeks after that in Liberty, Missouri. Awesome, awesome. So tell me about the show that's in Minneapolis that you're prepping for, because I, I'm i feeling like I'm not familiar with it, but maybe I am. But just tell us a little bit about it, or at least the name, and um, and we'll go from there. Um, so the show is uh, Clash of Titans, um, I believe is the, is the okay. name of it. Um, yeah, and it's it's the last pro qualifier for Worlds which um, was my goal to do last year before I did a show. Uh, so I did my pro debut last spring, and um, I didn't want to be in prep. I, I qualified for Worlds, but I didn't want to be in prep all year long for it, unlike uh, Kaylin, who's you know done 11, 12 shows, which is insane. I'd like to kind of talk about that later because that's crazy to me. <laughs> um, I mean, one show is enough for me just to get my mind wrapped around that, let alone you know 12 shows. But um, – yeah, yeah, so I actually got engaged earlier this year, and I planned on doing my second pro show in 2020, but once we got engaged and set the, the wedding date, I decided this summer to do that show so I could qualify for, for Worlds and get that get that kind of out of the way, if you will, before the wedding and all that stuff. All right, gotcha. So when is the big day? And congratulations on your engagement and all that, although it sounds like you've been wow. engaged for a while, but the big day must be coming up soon. It's um, July July tenth next year. Um, okay. Which would be you know right in the heart of the of the of the year, so I need to be in prep leading up to it or prep right afterwards, and that just sounds right after the Fourth of July. Wow. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, well, we thought about doing it on the Fourth of July, but decided against that and did it the weekend <laughs> after that. Well, the fireworks would have been pretty darn awesome. Oh <laughs> they, my they goodness! They would have been good. We we, oh, also, we we initially thought that that would be a uh, a good way to organically cut down on the uh, on the invite list just because or you know RSVPs and stuff, but um, or it would have been the opposite and we'd have everybody show up and then have to pay for all that food. So we decided to do the weekend afterwards just to avoid any problems. <laughs> there you go. There you go. So that 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 in and of itself could be a a show. Um, you know. Surviving the Fourth of July food frenzy and then the a wedding the weekend after. <laughs> How do you do it? Yeah, that might be something yeah, no you doubt. have to do, Kayla. <laughs> All right, fantastic. So you got a show coming up, IPE Worlds, um, in uh, in your eyesight down the future there. But before we get much further down that direction, let's back it up and go to the beginning and tell us how you got started in competing in natural bodybuilding. Um, okay, so 
I would say, I mean, I, I could go all the way back to when I was uh, just a little kid. My dad used to take me to uh, Gold's Gym. I'd go and sit, like, in, you know, the daycare, or they had a basketball court at one of the locations in Kansas City. And uh, so I'd sit in there and watch him go play basketball. So I've been in the gym since I was an infant, essentially. Um, and then I grew up, uh, went to um, – when I got to high school, I was very, very undersized. I was, like, five foot two, 110 pounds or so as a freshman. Um and it was my sophomore year that I started kind of lifting a little bit. And immediately, as soon as I noticed a little bit of a difference, and other people would recognize it as well, that already got my my attention. And I always knew I was going to go start lifting, but I didn't know, you know, when. Um, but as soon as I, you know, started seeing those results and other people would take notice, that kind of got the ball rolling for me. Um, so I started lifting a lot more in, in high school and putting a lot of emphasis into that. But I also paid to play baseball. And that was my number one goal to go play college baseball. So I ended up playing college baseball. After a couple knee surgeries, I, I quit playing baseball. I knew that I always wanted to do bodybuilding. And I, I loved watching or um, reading through the bodybuilding magazines, all that type of stuff, which is kind of uh, one of my first, you know, interests kind of began in it. And then after my ACL surgery, which took me about four or five months to get 100% healthy again, um, I ended up competing later on that September. So after my ACL surgery, it took about nine months until I stepped on stage for the first time. And um, that was in physique back in like 2015, I believe. And then um, since then, it just kind of progressed into what I really, really wanted to do. Um, I needed that competitive outlet um, that, you know, I was missing from baseball. And so that gives me something I can work towards every single day, whether it's in the gym or just in the kitchen. I mean, as we all know, that's, 99% of it. Uh, so, yeah, that led us to becoming a pro in 2017 and to where I am now. Nice. Now, one of the things I, I, I like to hear is it's uh, the backstory to what everybody's doing, <clears throat> but there's always, like, the intermediate part. And you have stayed busy, so, you know, it, I, I – I'm glad you didn't turn to drugs because I know a lot of kids that I grew up with that played sports in high school and didn't have that outlet going into college and into a professional career had made the choice of drugs. I mean, was that like something that was offered to you or is that something that came up in your life down the road? You know, uh, no. are, are you talking about um, like steroids or are you talking about just drugs in general? No, 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 no recreational drugs because I know uh, oh. that, that high – that you get from sports is, is, is it's hard to parallel unless you get into something that releases that adrenaline and those endorphins on another way. And that's you that you bodybuild. Yes, exactly. Um, so, I mean, actually a good thing to kind of bounce off that kind of going into it is, uh, you know, alcohol in general, um, in high school, um, I was always against it, always against, you know, drugs and, you know, so obviously against drugs, but the, the whole alcohol thing, I was always against it until, junior year and then I was like you know what I need to enjoy my high school career so I drank quite a bit from junior year to senior or through senior year and then by the time I got to college I had uh, I mean, my priorities were baseball my school and um and lifting and I mean I really I I kind of tethered the line between staying focused in the gym working out and baseball I sometimes put more emphasis into the lifting side of things but so really those two things always keep me you know, kind of grounded and focused, always kind of kept me out of drinking later on. Like, even now, I don't, even whenever I'm out, you know, in off-season, I don't like going out drinking. 
It's just not my thing. Um, I, I would much rather do a wake up and go lift on a Saturday morning at 9 a.m. as opposed to being hungover in bed till 3 p.m. Oh um, yeah. So, so I, I think you're, you're definitely right. Having that com- that competitive outlet outside of sports. Once I got done with that, you know, really helped me just kind of keep my mind right and not fall into, you know, what so many people do do. Yeah, I mean, and that's awesome. And that, I mean, it's just a good reminder, and especially for our listeners, if they've got a young adult out there that, you know, has um, been busy athletically in high school, you know, had aspirations for it in college, it didn't quite work out. I mean, there are a lot of semi-pro leagues out there that folks can still take advantage of, but, you know, natural bodybuilding is also a great outlet for individuals who are athletically minded. Maybe their big dreams didn't pan out, but you can still enjoy a very successful career in a sport. Might not be the sport that you initially picked up, but you know, in a sport nonetheless, that's challenging and it's one that you can continue to grow with because as we all know, you really never get too old for natural bodybuilding. I mean, and that's something that we witnessed this um, past oh weekend goodness. and we'll talk more about it on Thursday, oh but we had, a six, we had a 60 plus men's bodybuilder that was cleaning up 67. against much younger competitors. So, you know, just something to definitely keep in mind. And I'm glad that you shared that um, with us, Marcus. Um, now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take us a little bit different direction because you said you started out in physique. So what led you to want to um, cross over to um, classic physique? Was bodybuilding your aim, but you decided you liked classic physique better? Or how did that part of your journey go? Um. So, actually, the only reason why I got into classic physique um, and not bodybuilding is just because classic physique became available at that point. Because, um, you know, when I grew up, it was either physique or it was bodybuilding. I've always admired bodybuilding uh, for bodybuilders. I've always, you know, tried to duplicate my workouts based off them, which was probably not always the best thing to do considering, you know, I was 150 pounds and not eating or doing all the stuff that those my favorite bodybuilders were doing. But uh, just that look to me. I've always appreciated that more than the physique side of things. So physique, I knew, you know, there was going to be four poses I had to hit. I could do a T-walk, and that was it. If I could just master those four poses and get lean enough to get on stage, then I'd be comfortable up there. Um, and just, you know, being smaller in general, and it's tough, you know, to put on that quality size. Um, I knew that I would just get outsized easily in bodybuilding. Um, so once – I did the physique, and I had the, the idea to go crossover into bodybuilding, but I was probably going to wait. I mean, honestly, even at this point, I probably want to be doing pure bodybuilding. I'd probably still be in physique if Classic had never, you know, been available. Um, but, yeah, that first year, as soon as I saw that Classic physique was going to be a thing, I immediately picked a show and was wanting to do that because I could actually do the bodybuilding poses but not be, you know, totally outsized by everybody. Yeah, very so good. And it seems like you found, and it seems like you found a good fit for you because obviously you went pro in classic physique, so something must have been working right for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think that the, the posing to me is is a lot of fun just to be able to you know emulate the guys from the seventies and the eighties. I lo- I love that generation of bodybuilding as opposed to like you know nowadays with the, with the mass monsters and stuff. So it's been fun to kind of dive deeper into the history of the sport and pull those poses out 
to be able to, you know, do on stage. Um, so it's been a lot of fun. Very cool. Very cool. All right. Well, we've got some listener questions that are, or comments, thoughts that are rolling in. So we want to go ahead and share some of those. Um, this one is from Thelma. It's more of a comment, but we're going to turn it into a question. She said, he said he was a school teacher, meaning you, so you are a PE teacher. She says, maybe he could give you guys some ways to help Kaylin's kids in Chicago. So Kaylin does a lot of work with um, at-risk youth in Chicago and getting them involved in the natural bodybuilding scene by, you know, making sure that they can get to competitions and interact with the athletes. Being a school teacher, and maybe you don't work with a lot of at-risk kids, but what thoughts? do you have seeing kids go in and out of the system would be beneficial when working with, you know, if not at risk youth, just youth in general to make sure they don't become at risk. Um, well, first off, I'd say that that is absolutely awesome. I didn't realize that Kaylin did that. That's super, super cool. I assume those are high school kids. Is that right? No, elementary, younger kids. Oh, oh really? you might have some high school though too, don't you, Kaylin? Yeah. Yeah, they so, go all the way so, up to 18. Okay, cool. So um, j- just so um, I'll, I'll come back to that question, but um, just curious about it. So do you take the elementary school kids and middle school kids? Are they, like, in the competitions, or do they just go there and watch just to get interested in it? Yeah, we, we take them to basically see a more positive outlet, uh, more positive-minded cool. people, and people that are basically – uh, challenging their own minds and bodies to be better and just get them out of the, the drug uh, areas, the yeah. drug mentality, and the, the gangland uh, inspirations. Because, you know, if, if they are the company they keep, they're, they're keeping yeah. a lot of uh, mindsets that don't really challenge them to improve. So we, we try to get them out of the area without taking them away from who they are. Yeah. That is that's that's super awesome. That's that's really cool that you're doing that. Um, yeah. So um, to come back to the the question you actually originally asked me. So yes. Um, I mean, one of the things as an elementary school PE teacher uh, that I've always, I mean, any PE teacher, any profession really in my mind that should be a role model for others. I feel like health should be one of those core values. Um, yeah. Like whether that means that whether that means you go on runs or you work out, you know, like like we do as bodybuilders, you know, just to, to me, that's always been the thing that affects every single person. I mean, yes, math does. Yes, reading does 100%. But we all have to deal with health. And that's uh, a massive problem, especially here in America, um, just with the obesity epidemic, especially amongst our youth, and just kids not being active now because technology is so prevalent. Um, but so I personally, I, I went into elementary mainly because I felt like I could be that, that role model that you're talking about. Um, and be that person that's fit in their life, that's active, that's, you know, I'm I'm only 25 now, but I'll be 45 still doing the same stuff. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's awesome that kids kind of have that role model because I know I was very, very fortunate to have a dad who was that active and he, you know, coached baseball and all that stuff. But I know especially a lot of the kids at, at my school, we, I, I work at a Title I school, so just lower income, uh, more poverty in my uh, school, the district itself is awesome, but my school itself is definitely like that. I deal with a lot of at-risk um, students, so it's been awesome to kind of be that positive role model. Um, and I think it helps that I am younger, just so that they don't look at me as just like an older teacher. They just look at me as like a younger guy that's in there having fun with them in the gym. 
Um, I'm not sure if I answered the question or not, or if I just rambled. You <laughs> let me know. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I mean, I think Thelma was looking for any tips that you might have, but I think oh. you did cover that in the fact that you just need to be involved and you need yeah, to yeah. be present when you're in their presence, you know, focused on them yeah, and not yeah. everything else that you have going on in your day so that they can just relate to you and see that there are positive individuals in their life and that not everyone is negative and not everything is negative. So I think, Selma, um, if that's what you were asking, I think he hit it. And, Kaylin, yeah. it sounds like it's just a, a lot more of the same of what you guys are already trying to do. Yeah. <clears throat> and actually, just, just to kind of piggyback on that as well, last year I was a recovery room teacher at my same elementary school before I got the PE job. And recovery room is essentially um, the easiest way to, to envision it if you don't have one, if you, if you never grew up with one of those, which I did not. It's kind of like an ISS for elementary but instead of being in school suspension, you're helping kids deal with those big emotions in more positive ways. Um, like I said, being in Title One school with, um, you know, troubled home lives, if you will, I, I got to help those kids through those stressful times and really build those relationships, which helped out, which was awesome. And that's made this job as the PE teacher even better because I had those relationships with those students that had the tougher home lives last year and now I'm getting to build on that even more and and even more of a fitness and health um you know area. That's very cool. Well maybe uh offline you and Kaylin can chat some more and learn some more about yeah. how he's doing, how his group is doing what they're doing and maybe that's something that could uh you know grow some roots where you are because Kaylin definitely loves to travel and Kansas City is uh is closer to me so than Chicago yes. is. So there you go. All right. This next question is, I guess we're going to be pulling on your um, online coaching expertise. And Kaylin, you can weigh in on this as well. This one's from Tim. He says, doing some of the workouts from the old school muscle magazines never worked out for me. Was I doing something wrong or was I taking the wrong supplements or food? You know, Tim, that is a very broad question that we would need to know a lot more from you about as far as consistency and how you were eating and this and that. But I guess, Marcus and Kaylin, give us your thoughts on if someone is looking to magazines for their resources for health and wellness, <laughs> maybe, what are some, what, right, maybe what are some things they should keep in mind to help them maximize <laughs> the resources they're using, and maybe some recommendations of other resources that could help them out. Marcus, we'll start with you. Okay. So, I mean, first off, like I said, I, besides just starting off in the gym really young with my, with my dad, magazines is what, I mean, I, I love reading those things. And, yes, emulating those workouts and all stuff. And I, I, too, did those same workouts for years. I, too, you know, watched YouTube videos of Kai Green and all those guys and all these exercises they would do. And, the volume and the amount of weights that they would lift and all those things. And my goal was to be able to train just like that because my thing was if I eat a lot of food and I train like these guys, I'm going to look like that. And first off, all those guys on there, I mean, 99% of them are running some sort of some sort of supplementation that I'm not going to bring yeah, to take. There you go. On top, of, on top of that, I mean, especially just being natural, you know, I can't go in there and do 30 sets, high volume, high weight, 
every single day of the week like I used to. I mean, I used to try that a lot. And, I mean, I think it gave me a good um, gave me experience. A good and I learned a lot, a lot about it. But looking back on it now, if I was helping out an 18-year-old lifting, I would never, you know, advise exactly. those workouts because it, it's go. not going to give you the kind of growth you think it's going to give you, especially in natural. You need recovery, even not being natural. You need that recovery period. Amen. And your body, your body can't rebuild like, like those guys can. Um, so that's actually something I've I've ran into. And honestly, up until the past two years, that's exactly how I trained every single day. I my joints were hurt. I would I would attribute some of that to my couple knee surgeries I've had. I've had other handful of injuries that were either baseball related or lifting related, and I would put a lot of them on just overtraining. I didn't realize I was overtraining. I wouldn't recognize those symptoms of it, if you will. And I was just going in there every day thinking more is better, more is better, more is better, and it's not. Less is more in so many aspects. Awesome. Yeah, what I was going to say, I had two massively bad experiences with uh, this, and and that stems from basically having a chance to interact with some of these enhanced guys that weren't taking on the full mantle of the life they were living. So they were claiming a a natural lifestyle, and I was ignorant enough to believe uh, both instances and occurrences. And it really, like like he was saying, it really taxed my body to the point of just constant aches and pains, um, Mm -hmm. fatigue like you can't imagine. I I was really trying to keep up with these guys. uh, And with the diet I was doing, it, there was just simply no way. And and that that volume, like he was saying, it matches an enhanced uh, lifestyle because the recovery, you can get away with that so much more than a, a natural athlete. So I, you know, I was, I would almost say I was sick unto death a couple of times because I, I didn't even want to get up to, to go to work. I, I wanted to do absolutely nothing for almost a week, and I was just – dying to to do anything and even getting to the gym seemed like a big accomplishment just getting through the door so when I was looking at the magazine stuff and everything they were saying I had a chance to talk to one of the the elite uh, IFBB guys and when I asked him it it was an education for sure but it really hurt my heart because everything I believed was crashing in right before me because everything I was reading in the magazine was basically for, you know, I guess readers' consumption. But to actually do it on a natural diet and a natural life, there was just no way to sustain those kind of workouts and still have a healthy, functioning body. So, you know, don't feel bad for not being able to, to do those those workouts because I don't think they were written for a natural athlete to begin with. Uh, it's 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 done because it looks good. It, I mean, it gets gets people to read along, and it sounds plausible. So I I don't knock anyone for buying those magazines when they're trying to truly learn. But the fact of trying to actually do them on a sustainable basis, I don't see it happening. I see injuries, you know, down the road, and that's all. That, there was a lot of things that I had to learn the hard way 
just from basically the, having the opportunity to interact with them, and it, it was quite an education. So, you know, don't feel bad for not keeping up with the, the magazines and the workouts, because honestly, I don't think they were written for us anyway. That's and there you have it. I, you know, I've never tried to follow a workout in a magazine, so I can't no. really weigh in on this. But, you know, very no. seldom from what I've seen, they're not for beginners and they're not even for intermediate athletes. Um, no. You know, or and if you do follow along, most people don't really have an idea of where they should be starting. They don't have idea on form and those sorts of things. Nope. So I would say, you know, I'm not knocking, read the magazines, be motivated, and uh, seek out a coach or a mentor. <laughs> I guess so what I'm going to add to that. So we can follow that. I'm so, yeah, and there, you, and there you have it. I tell you what. So, what. Marcus, with all of the injuries that you've had, are you finding that you have to, um, you know, change up? basic lifting form in order to accommodate or certain exercises that you have to avoid altogether? Or are you finding that you're, you're able to still lift the way you want, even despite your knee problems and a couple other ailments, it sounds like you may have. Um, okay. So first off, the, the whole knee thing, actually, I don't have any knee problems anymore. I was very, very fortunate to have gotten the surgery. Okay. I had, good. I, um, if, if you're familiar with uh, Jamal Charles from the Chiefs, I was lucky enough to have his doctor work on my knee. And uh, the rehab for it was awesome. But, um, yeah, no, it was it was um, a couple years there where it seemed like everything would hurt me. Uh, my lower back would be wrecked, and it would be because, you know, I just did deadlifts and been a rose the day before, and then I was hitting squats the next day, just full-on intensity. And, I mean, when I was younger, when I was 18, 19, 20, emulating these workouts, I was young. My body could kind of handle a little bit better. Not that I would grow much from it, but I could handle it better. I could go do back, you know, three times a week and be okay doing it. And I would spend hours and hours in the gym doing it. Um, but once oh, I you know, realized yeah. that – Exactly. And, and, and so it was tough. When, when I first made the decision that I need to start backing off, I need to start listening to my body, and this this isn't sustainable, kind of like you said there, Kaylin. It's it's not sustainable to do that forever. It was more sustainable back then when I was 18, 19, 20, you know, 21 doing that stuff. But um, so, so now <laughs> really the, like the only so – <laughs> and, and, and I'm not, but just training years have <sighs> been – The enough. miles. Uh, the yeah, miles. exactly. And I put so many miles on my body just initially doing that on top of just baseball. And um, – so really the only exercise I actually have to avoid anymore is any sort of like barbell press, whether it be bench press or overhead press or anything of that nature. I just have found that, that um, you know, your, your hand strictly in that same motion or in that, in that same spot just does not work for my shoulder. Um, and really the shoulder thing, that was actually more recent. That was last spring going into my first, my pro debut. Um, I was five weeks out for the competition and I was coaching baseball on the side as well. So I was doing, you know, thousands of batting practice pitches a week when I hadn't thrown a baseball for two years. And I woke up um, with like a frozen shoulder. I couldn't move my shoulder at all. So I actually trained into that competition for five full weeks without touching chest or shoulders. I would only pose oh, wow. and that would be the extent. Um, so really getting fourth place after all that, I was very, very satisfied with and just posing through pain every day. 
But, um, yeah, so out of all the injuries and stuff like that, um, barbell presses are the really only thing I have to avoid nowadays, which is totally fine. I, I honestly believe dumbbell work and cable work, you get, you know, more muscle fibers are hit by those, and you fatigue the muscle a little bit better. Um, but, yeah. Uh, it, it was it was tough. it was a tough pill to swallow that I needed to stop training the way I used to, and to understand that that way is not sustainable. It's not what's going to get me where I need to. So the past couple years or so, I've really really been uh, implementing a lot more rest, and I've noticed tremendous differences. I'm I'm more excited for you know my lifts. I'm feeling better every time I go in there and lift. And on top of that, I'm also um, really prioritizing stretching. And foam rolling and doing all 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 those little things that I didn't used to do, that I wish I would have. Yeah, well, I'm I'm gonna jump back because I I don't want to confuse anybody. When we were talking about you know working out in the magazines and lifting, uh, there's I mean, youth is not wasted on the young. We do a lot of things that could really destroy us in later years. So, you know, the recovery and the fact that we can rebuild in spite of the abuse that we've done is a blessing for sure. So I don't want people to get confused and think we're saying don't. I mean, if you have to learn your body. You're learning the parameters and you're learning everything about you. So there's nothing wrong with pushing the limits. It's just when you're taught incorrectly, that's when things really go bad and that's when you can't sustain what's really needing to be sustained. So, you know, you're, you, it's, and I love the fact that people are willing to uh, be pushed and they're willing to get around people that are willing to push them. But sometimes you can get information that's not productive for your body or your health. So and I, I'm just going to throw that out there. And the fact that, you know, we have been able to, to you know, get past everything we've done wrong, that just shows you that God is truly in the blessing business. So I don't want anyone confused on that. Uh, the fact that, you know, we are here and we're, we're still, you know, building our bodies in spite of all the stuff, we, all the abuse we've done, it, it, it's just a miracle in itself. I wanted to say, you know, it, I, I'm glad you were able to push yourself and, and realize that even though you were in pain, your body could still heal and recover and still look like, you, you know, something of health and fitness because I, I – I've been hurt by family members that have been injured and basically quit because they said, well, you know, the game's over. I might as well throw in the towel because I have this injury. And the doctor says, and I, I just don't know how doctors became more than God when they, when they basically give you an evaluation and all of a sudden it's scripture in the Bible. So, you know, what, what did you do to push past the injuries and how do you know that they won't be a reoccurring thing in the future? Um, I mean, I mean, really, the 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 way I pushed past it, I, I had to, I had to, you know, drop the ego thing. I think that was a big part of it, was that I used yep. to do it a certain way, and you know, I could go in there, I could lift for two straight hours, all out intensity, the entire two hours, and um, so so it was tough. To, it was tough to lose that, but it, once I I got rid of that and I started prioritizing the things, it just helped a lot. Um, you know, going in there and actually properly warming my body up. I didn't used to do that. I used to just walk in there, you know, maybe do a few things with abs, and then I'd get right after it. And now I spend, you know, at least five to ten minutes 
warming up, stretching out, whatever, you know, kind of check, doing a mental check with my body about what's feeling good that day, what do I need to go loosen something up a little bit extra, you know, all those things, taking into account all that stuff. Um, but really, I just, I just knew that, you know, nothing was going to be permanent. If I could make it through a couple of ACL surgeries, then anything else that was going on, if, as long as I just was mindful of it and could adjust and learn and grow from it, then I would be totally fine. And that's exactly what I've done. Um, you know, last year, I didn't listen to my body like I needed to with the whole shoulder thing. I, I, you know, I worked through it um, for the competition, and then my goal was to, you know, stop training after the competition for a month, just take a full month off. But at the same time, I was like, I'm looking awesome right now. I'm clean. I'm striding everywhere, all that stuff. So I was like, I got to stay in the gym. I got to go take advantage of how I'm looking right now. And uh, it got to the point where I literally just, I couldn't move my shoulder by the time, like, August hit, and so I realized I need to start, you know, putting, since I had a job that I could actually put money into my body, then I started seeing a chiropractor, um, started seeing a dude out in um, Overland Park, Kansas, named Eric Phillips, who's also a uh, a competitor, and he really, really helped me um, with all the little things in my body and some movement issues, and then once I kind of got those things down, I just, it it's snow, it, it was a snowball effect. And, uh, yeah, so that kind of led me to where I am right now, feeling very, very confident in it and understanding that if I have a problem, there's, there's going to be a solution to it. It's not a problem just randomly. Um, it's a movement issue or it's a lack of, you know, stability. It's something that can be fixed. And so I'll, anytime I do have a problem, I'm searching and searching and searching for what that issue is, whether it be through a chiropractor or a masseuse or I mean, YouTube, as much as, as, as it can be a bad thing, it can also be a fantastic thing if you know what you're looking for. Yes. All right, awesome. And I and I just love that answer because you just cover so many, you know, areas where if you have a problem, there is a solution. There are different outlets to find that solution. Don't give up. That's basically what I yep. took away from that. And a lot of times when we run into challenges, people do give up on their health and wellness pursuits because, yes, well, yeah. I can't do that anymore, so I'm just not going to do anything. And life doesn't Where have to be that. I definitely appreciate those examples that you were giving us. Um, I've got another question I want to get to, um, but I do want to mention, um, folks, I know you guys have been sending in some questions that I haven't addressed just yet, and mostly because they deal only with Kaylin and I, <laughs> and uh, Marcus wouldn't really have a chance to wait on those. So I'm going to save a couple of those and we will talk about those on Thursday. So hopefully that's okay with you guys, but I will talk to you about my radio show and we'll talk more about the future of Kaylin's kids stuff. And uh, this one from Ashley, um, I'm just going to throw it out there. She's saying Kaylin just finished his third kickboxing class today. How the heck did he get to the radio show so soon? Um, if he was speeding and running with lights, we, we're going to look the other way on that one. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, no. <laughs> so, but, um, Uh-oh. Evidently, someone may have been speeding, and now we're going to get caught, although that did like yeah, an that ambulance. Was, that, was, that was kidding. He's on the phone driving right now. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's the downtown Kansas City life. There we go. There you go. We're going to uh, we're going to hopefully make sure nobody that was on the phone is having to deal with an ambulance, and we'll address those other questions on Thursday. 
This next one from Jamie, this is one that I think everyone can weigh in from a health professional perspective. Now, granted, we are not medical doctors, so we cannot issue medical advice, but we definitely can have an opinion on what your actions are. So what we're about to discuss next is definitely going to be our opinion. And so this is from Jamie. He says, I seem to have better workouts when I have at least two smokes before my workouts. I haven't had any physical issues or signs of cancer, so is that truly a bad thing to do? Who wants to jump in on that one first? Well, I can jump in. <laughs> yes, okay. Silence. Okay. All right, Kayla, we'll start with um, you. Okay, I'll I'll be like let let's go back to my first instance where I knew someone that was smoking a massive amount of cigarettes and still seemed to be in the prime of his life in a, in a perfect bill of health. And I think it goes back to what we were talking about with getting away with a lot of things in our youth that are catching up to us, you know, now that we're, we're, we're getting older. And there was this guy I knew in the Navy and he could outrun every last one of us. And he was a two pack a day smoker. And he was just defying the laws of physics, it seemed like, because he could just keep going and going and going. <clears throat> that was the first time I had learned about the enhanced world and all of the, the aspects that were what people would consider benefits. And I'll put that in air quotes, because his body was taking a beating internally, but it's, you could not see it outside because regardless what he was doing, you know, with the cigarettes and, and the drugs, it just wasn't showing on the outside because he seemed to be in a perfect bill of health. Um, there was that one eventful day that, you know, it was just down the road. I think it was two years in, and suddenly, you know, he wasn't running as fast. He wasn't doing as much, and he couldn't take the drugs he was taking to sustain, you know, what his body was being demanded to do. And it was a rapid decline after that. It, it was uh, one of those things where it seemed like it was almost overnight. He wasn't very forgiving with, you know, when he was diagnosed. So he wasn't, you know, we didn't know when it had started or how long he had kept it a secret. But, I mean, when it started taking its toll, it, it was pretty quick. And uh, he didn't last maybe a good year and a half after that. So, that was the first time. The second time was the occasional smoker. And, you know, he was in denial, you know, actually smoking. He was always trying to hide it. But it's hard to hide smoking when you have it basically sitting in your clothes and your skin. And that would always confuse me why he would even speak in that nature like he didn't know. But, you know, he, he didn't see it as a big deal. It was like his cup of coffee. And that's that's how he would say it. You know, I'm having my cup of coffee. You guys go in there and have yours. And, you know, pretty soon it was, you know, the the dose, if you want to say it, of coffee was starting to increase because, you know, it, he needed that rush of nicotine to get him through the workouts. And pretty soon it was up to a pack a day. And then, you know, it was basically it, it, the ends weren't justifying the means anymore because his breathing had become very, very harsh and he couldn't keep up with the breathing needed for the workouts. So it really beat his lungs up. And 
I think one of his lungs was almost completely filled with tar. And I don't know if anybody's familiar with uh, cigarette smoking, but there is, you know, residue and actual smoke that remains in your lungs, even when you're not smoking. So it was, I mean, each time the outcome was pretty much written in stone, but there was always this idea that it's not going to happen to me. And I think that's the one thing that drives a lot of people with that, that way of thinking, because, you know, it hadn't happened yet, so it probably won't happen. But I'm saying, you know, it's like playing Russian roulette at some point, you know, you, you got to realize the bullets in the chamber. And I don't want to, I mean, why take that risk? Find another outlet, find a better, healthier outlet, because it, it's kind of an oxymoron to, to be going to health through cigarette smoke. It, it makes no sense. So if it's something that, you know, you want to continue to do, then, you know, it's your life. I, I won't, I won't uh, speak anything other than that, but I just, I haven't, I have yet to see an outcome that's either sustainable or successful. And uh, that's my two cents. Yes. All right. Marcus. Okay. So, so what it sounds like is, is that the, I forgot the, the gentleman's name, but he said that he smokes two cigarettes a day before he goes and works out. Is that correct? Yeah. Well, Jamie says he he has at least two smokes before his workout. So I wouldn't say okay, he's cool. only smoking two cigarettes a day, but at he's least. at least having two at least before he works out. Okay. Well, um, so based off just like you know how I am with like, with like my habits and stuff like that. Um, like especially before before the gym, I look at it like I used to with baseball. And uh, baseball players are very very superstitious. I mean, I feel like athletes are in general, and you you get in that routine. So you know, I yes. always wear the, 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 the same knee sleeves or arm sleeves or whatever the case would be, and just um, I'd go through the same routine every Thanks single boy. time. So I've I've found over the past year, or I mean, ever since I started lifting, yes, that I also have my same um, routines for the gym. Like, whenever I come in, I do the same thing over and over again. Or before I go work out, I do the same types of things. I'll drink the same pre-workout or I'll drink coffee or whatever the case is. And so I've realized over the years, I mean, just going with pre-workout in general. To me, pre-workout, it, it, I look at it like, like a drug more than anything else because pre-workout is very, very addictive. Um, your, your, your workouts are always better whenever you have pre-workout just because you have such an unnatural amount of energy, you know, flowing through you for a couple hours, or you just have that, that crazy, you know, fast heart rate or whatever the case is. So I think kind of what I'm getting at is that it sounds like his, his, his routine is just to, po- to, to smoke those cigarettes prior. And so the way I looked at it with the pre-workout was that if I change my, my pre-workout routine from pre-workout to coffee or something a little less stimulating – and I just make my body used to it, then I'll, I'll get into that routine of it. So I used to be somebody who would have pre-workout, you know, once a day, every single day, because I would never take any days off for, you know, years straight. And I realized the damage that it was doing to me internally, even though I didn't have a doctor telling me this is causing these problems, even though, you know, it's not a cigarette where we all know that what that could possibly lead to, you know, with pre-workout, being relatively new compared to tobacco, um, I still just knew it wasn't wasn't doing in you know internally what I would hope 
that what I was putting into my body would. So I realized I just had to kind of make that cut back on it. I feel like that's kind of the same situation with the cigarettes. Obviously, tobacco is a totally different thing, and that's much harder, much, much easier for me to say than it is to be done. Um, but it, there's no way it's enhancing anything in the gym or life in general, other than just that quick, you know, feeling that it gives you. Yeah, Again, I mean, I, I mean, so I can't say too much. Yeah, I mean, and I don't smoke either, but I grew up with parents that smoke and um, or did smoke, and just even the addiction by itself, it's a hard, hard habit to quit. And I guess we're not even going to go on that down that road because you haven't asked about quitting, and and if you don't want to quit, that's fine. But you yeah. know, you know yeah. as well as everybody else knows the toll. Hold on, real quick the toll that smoking takes on your body from a position as far as your lungs, your airway capacity. So, I mean, it's, it might, you might feel like it's helping your workout, but I agree with Marcus. I I don't know that it's really enhancing your workout. It might take the edge off of your stress, off of your anxiety, whatever it might be going that the nicotine does for you. And so because you're not feeling those other emotions, it feels like your workout is better and you're able to focus more. But I, I personally, I, I'm going to err on the side that smoking is bad for you, even if you think it's helping your workout. Yeah, I was going to, I'm not going to mention the name, but this is one of the listeners that happens to be one of our, also one of our gym members at Fit Body You. And she's saying that, you know, just last week, she had what would be considered a mini stroke from the minor cigarettes that she was smoking as a stimulant before her workouts. And now she has been forced to go on to the nicotine patch because of health reasons and health concerns. So it's, it's not sounding good with, with the outcome for everybody that's basically been doing what they've been doing. All right, and there you have it. So food for thought, guys. Food for thought. You're all grown. You're going to do what you're going to do. But, you know, as we say, do your homework, pray it over, and, um, you know, if the answer is not what you want but it's what you need, I really encourage you to follow for what you need over what you want. So with that being said, I'm going to spin us back around to Marcus. We've got about 10 minutes left, dude. For someone who was – kind of shy about being on the radio you have been fantastic so thank you so much for uh hanging out with us tonight um two things a i would like to hear your thoughts on any words of encouragement you would have for someone who is thinking about getting into natural bodybuilding but hasn't quite crossed that line yet and then b um, we'll get into shout outs for anyone and everyone who's been supportive of you on your journey. But first up, you know, what words of encouragement would you have for folks considering the sport, but they're not quite sure about it? Okay. Well, the, the very first thing is, you know, talk to, talk to a coach. Um, that's something that I, you know, I, way back when I first started listening, I wish I had somebody like myself or like my, you know, my coaches that I actually work with, I wish I would have had that, that mentor to be able to kind of look up to. So I could have, as much as I appreciate me have gone, gone through everything and I wouldn't really take that away, I wouldn't want somebody else to have to go through years and years of training 
in, Amen to that. in a way in a way that isn't going to benefit them. Again, I feel like I'm happy that I did all that stuff. It was fun, and I enjoyed it, and I've learned a lot from it. But, you know, 99% of people, I don't feel like you have to go through that to go learn properly how to do it. Amen. So, Amen. Yes, exactly. So a coach, whether, you know, you're 18 years old or you're 45 years old, you don't want to talk to a coach about it and kind of hear, hear their the way they do things is – definitely a great start. Also, you know, just, just watching. Go to a few competitions. I mean, before I realized that I actually wanted to do bodybuilding, I always thought I wanted to lift, but I never knew I really wanted to do bodybuilding until I went to, um, you know, my first show or two with, like, uh, my dad's friends that would be competing. And I was like, this is, this is super awesome. Like, it's awesome, you know, watch this. So going to them is a great experience, and it kind of lets you know, could I step on stage or could I not? Um, you know, and, and on top of that, I think I think what keeps me in this sport more than anything else is just kind of like why I got sold in it was that that competitive spirit that I have. I I need I need that outlet. If I didn't if I didn't have lifting or bodybuilding, I would have to find it somewhere else. Um, so maybe that's just me a personal thing, but I need the outlet where I can go and 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 have a goal, not just a goal today, but a goal for next week a goal for next month, a goal for next year, and five years from now. And if I'm not, to me, if you're not working towards something, then you're just walking through life. And that that's the, the last thing I want to do. I feel like once I'm complacent and I'm just content with right where I'm at without ever wanting to better myself, then I feel like that's when life is over. And to me, that's my biggest fear is just being complacent. So having the gym, there's always a struggle. There's always an obstacle that I have to overcome. You know, trying to find a time for meal prep sometimes is an obstacle, and I feel a thousand times better when I know it wasn't the optimal day to do my meal prep, but I got it done because I know I needed to do it and having that discipline. So I think those daily wins to me are reason enough why you should get into bodybuilding just so you always have that goal. You're always working towards something and not just walking through life. All right. Amen to that. And now, shout out. To anyone, everyone that uh, has been there supporting you in your natural bodybuilding career, or hey, just life in general, let's hear it. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, obviously, starts starts off my parents. They've always been great, great supporters of everything I've ever done with it. Um, you know, most importantly, right now though, is is Nicole, my fiance. She's been absolutely awesome. Uh, we've been together actually four years, coming this Friday, and then you know getting getting married next summer but um bodybuilding is a, a very selfish sport or at least it can be and it's really really tough for i mean for every competitor i've ever met and talked to you about things it's not it's not an easy lifestyle to do whether your significant other does the sport or not it's just a selfish lifestyle where you have to sacrifice more time to get your meals done i mean it's a 24 7 sport so the fact that she has been so supportive of it through and through from the very beginning up through now, and anytime I'm talking about competing, she doesn't have that, that gun-shy feel like, uh, you know, that means I have to sacrifice date nights, right? i got to sacrifice all this stuff. She's just right there with me, and she goes with the flow and adjusts as needed whenever I do go into a, a comp prep. Um, so she's been awesome. And honestly, without her, I would have probably never started – driving my fitness and a lot of the things that I've been able to accomplish has been with her in the background, you know, pushing me and driving me just as I do her in her career. So she's been absolutely awesome. Um, 
John Rodriguez is one of my training partners, definitely, since since we were 18. He's one of those people that me and him train like we were, you know, 300-pound bodybuilders. And he's dealing with those same injuries that I used to deal with as well. Um, and he's now realizing that same that same thing about, you know, more rest and all that stuff. Um, and then um, Taylor Perry, who you guys might actually know that name. She, uh, she's she been a comp prep coach for NMDF competitors as well as, you know, uh, other organizations as well, and a competitor herself in both our organization, I believe, and NPC. Um, she's, she was my first coach, and I learned so much from her. And she actually helped uh, me start working with Marcus Seidel out of St. Louis, who is now my comp prep coach for these two upcoming shows. And he's done a, a wonder and opened my eyes to new training methods and techniques, along with a whole new way of cutting for a show that I could not be happier with. So those, those are my people. All right, awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight. I, I mean, I've had a good time. I don't know. Did, did you have a good time? I definitely did. I, I'm really, I'm really happy I did it. As you kind of mentioned earlier, I was shy about it. You reached out to me and like, August, I believe. I read, I read, I read the message and I was like, oh, that sounds horrifying. And then after about a week, <laughs> I forgot that it was in my inbox. And then as I go through the, my inbox, you know, reaching back out to ex clients or whatever the case is, just check in with how they're doing. I saw your message. I was like, I need to just pull the trigger on this. It'll be ten times better than what I have envisioned in my head. And that's kind of a fear that I'm working through. As I said before, self-development, personal growth, trying to get over that whole fear of talking in front of people. So thank you so much for, you know, even asking me on the show. I was very, very flattered of the offer. Hey, well, we've enjoyed it. I I guess I'm speaking on behalf of you, Kaylin. Did you enjoy it? I already spoke up and I said I I enjoyed it more than you did. So then... (laughs) Oh, man, that's my PIC right there. Right there. I see you. I see you, Google. (laughs) All right. Well, best of luck to you, Marcus, and your upcoming competitions. I hope to see you at IPE World, so uh, I'm sure you're going to be out there rocking and rolling. Um, Kalen, Snickerdoodle shout-out. Hey, Snickerdoodle helps my needs. I know that. No pain. (laughs) All right, as well you have it. I tell you what. So on behalf of IPE Classic Physique Pro Marcus Gates, (laughs) Bam, Kalen Patterson, Snickerdoodle for knees, uh, children advocates everywhere, myself and the boys at P for P Muscle. Your body is a temple, so let's build it.